Hi, good afternoon, everybody. This is your host, Kay Did. And as you know, we do podcasts every week. Thank you for coming back this week. And this week's topic will be about landlords and their perspectives. And to get some housekeeping out the way, you can follow our podcast, Hear Our Voices, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, any even on TikTok. We're, we're trying to be everywhere. We're trying to be influenced on, with you and giving you information on every platform. If you want to get the most updates, you can go on Twitter because we have updates about jobs that you might would like or resources that you think would be helpful for you and your family. As you know, we are under the Family Homeless Coalition in New York City. So if you're a person who wants to be a part of the podcast, if you have a story to tell, or if you have a resources that resource that a person or people might like, you could definitely DM us on any of our platforms. If you want to talk to me directly, you can get me on any platform except Facebook at K Davis. And um, yeah, so we'll get into it. So the person we're going to talk to today is called Miss Green. And we're going to get her perspective of being a landlord in New York City. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? And we're also going to get into vouchers. So that's another thing we're going to hear about today on the podcast. So, yes. Hello, how are you? Um, I... I'm very excited to be able to give a different perspective on today's podcast from um, being a person who actually has gone through the system. At one point in time, I had city theft when I was a young, young girl, um, like about 2022, I had to um, get city feds to be able to help supplement, you know, myself and my daughter. So it's a big 360 to go from being on city feps to now being a landlord. And I guess I have a very uh, special point of view that could be able to assist both landlords and, you know, people who are in the situations looking to get apartments with their vouchers and stuff. It sounds like it. I didn't know that you got city feps um, vouchers. That's pretty. Yes. Yeah. When I was young. So my, my, my first, when I, First, I was introduced to real estate from very young. My mother had properties and she always explained to me that it was something that was one of the best investments to have was a piece of real estate. Um, So my first encounter with having to take over from anyone was when I had to take over from my father's property. And I was 21. I had three sisters and we were all trying to navigate just becoming landlords. And it wasn't something that was necessarily for all of us so the situation ended up with us just kind of selling and moving on and separating ourselves and at a certain time I needed a little extra assistance to pay the rent because now I've gone from possibly owning this building right to because we can't get together and formulate a plan that was efficient for all of us now I'm a tenant right my father paid you, you, know, you know what I'm saying? And, it's, you know, it was a bit of a smack in the face, but it was also a moment of reality for myself because I saw what it really required to get these vouchers and to get that assistance, you know? Right. So it was, a uh, uh, you know, I went to court. I explained my situation. To court and what happened? After I went, I went to court. I went through the, you know, the whole um, explaining my my situation in the court with a judge, and then afterwards, I was offered the program from City Feps. Oh wow! So yeah. I had that program for about two or three years. 
And then uh, I started working and I gave my information to City Fabs. And then I let them know that I was working now and I didn't need the assistance. And I just started paying my rent on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, but the 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 ability to be able to go into the court and then leave out with some form of hope in some some way that you're able to put a roof over your children's head is very important. And I guess that's what not I guess I know that's what vouchers you know provide that sense of security for people. However, when landlords hear that, they're like, "Ooh, a voucher." Right. And then they automatically try to classify that individual based on the help that they're getting. Right. So what I do, I learned that whenever I'm renting out any of my apartments, I go through a real estate agent and I tell them, bring me at least the best three. Because when you hear the stories and you see the little chubby faces of the kids that they bring with them sometimes you're like oh my god I want to throw caution to the wind and I want to help you and my mom did that right my mom was a landlord who led with her heart and because of that we dealt with catholic charities city oh yes section eight right so we had a mirage of people and it it makes you feel a little insecure when you have people coming into your home that you're not sure what walk of life they're coming from right Right. You know that whatever their choices have made has led them to the point that at that now they're, you know, they're in need of assistance. They're getting that assistance. And you as a landlord are their last, you're that last piece of kind of ability to give them a normalized citizenship, right? So that they're 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 functioning citizens, they're paying something, and now they can kind of begin to build their life back up. Right. Yeah, so it's 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 very it's a pivotal place to be, but it's um we also have our own families that we're looking out for, right? When we're allowing people into our homes, uh, we want to make sure that it's a good investment. However, it doesn't sometimes it doesn't always turn out like that. But what we have to do is stop classifying the person and the program. People are people. Bad people are everywhere. But right. you can't look at a, a program that's assisting so many other young, deserving people and try to classify it as, oh, I don't deal with Section 8 clients or I don't deal with City Feps clients because of a few bad experiences. Sometimes it don't even have to be directly them. They could have heard like, oh, no, you had that experience. Oh, no, I'm never going to. And then it's kind of like, why are you, you know, you're shooting yourself in the foot by limiting your tenant profile and you're also you know you're not giving a person who might be well deserving and need just that little that little step to be able to catapult them into success that's definitely true and it's definitely true (laughs) I think it's a good program people have some people do take advantage of it but Mm -hmm. as you say bad people are everywhere no matter if they Mm -hmm. have one or not Mm -hmm. um so it just definitely makes makes sense so um, when you're looking for tenants mm-hmm. in general, do you have all voucher tenants or is it like a mixture of mixture of people that live? Yeah, I have. Places? So I have I do have a mixture right in my in the home that I live in. I have um, paying um, all cash paying tenants. OK. And in my investment property, <clears throat> I have Section 8. OK. Now, um, 
my investment property is located in a different area. It's in Queens, and my home that I live in is in Brooklyn. Okay. So, uh, depending on the area, so I, I'm in Bed-Stuy. In Bed-Stuy, it's like now Bedford-Stuyvesant, right? <laughs> so, right. Um, I can, the rent that I could command here for my one bedroom is what I charge basically for my two, almost three bedroom, oh, well, it's three bedrooms, two baths over there. Right. So it definitely depends on area because Bed-Stuy is going to command a higher rent. I won't, I wouldn't try to, you know, bring a section eight tenant over here because that area, I could get much more money from a cash paying tenant. Right. So for far Rockaway, when I have my realtor go out, I prefer young people. If they're together, I would like for them to be shows me commitment that they're willing to commit to each other, which means they might be willing to commit to and making sure that they keep up with their place. Right. I, you know, I try to have, um, it's okay. And when I say, okay, I'm okay with you not having much credit because a lot of people are intimidated by credit if they don't know how to navigate it. Right. Right. So I'm okay with you not having much credit, but it's a difference when you have a bunch of debt. Because when you have debt, student debt, certain debts are, you know, something we can, can be explained. But if you just have random credit cards that you're just not paying and this, that, and that, that shows a lack of responsibility. And people see, oh, why why are these landlords it, um, requiring a, uh, a credit? And this is a voucher. Because that attests to who you are and the things that you choose to make a priority in your life. Right? So that's right. what the credit is showing us when we run it, when a person has a voucher, because now it's showing us, okay, they might have a couple cards here. They have children, they have children's place cards, they have gap cards, they have this cards, but they keep their utilization down low. They at least pay their minimums. They're doing things and you're just, you know, kind of not attending to them. It looks as though you're irresponsible and who wants to allow you know rent their house to a responsible person whether or not because what people have to fail to realize the voucher does not deal with the daily interactions that you have with the tenant right if this is a person that's you know just not of a certain caliber it's going to be a tumultuous situation for both parties right yeah so i definitely look in i i require a credit check whether or not it's a, a program I require credit checks just to kind of see how you prioritize your finances. So you said you work with a realtor, right? Go ahead. How did you find yeah, I work with a this realtor. person and how, like, what do they have so, to look for, so for, for people? To find realtors. Okay. So now my realtor is, I'll actually give their information that, you know, they could be able to help other people as well. It's called Chance Realty. Okay. They're they're stationed out of let me pull up their information for you guys. They're stationed out of Flatbush in um Brooklyn. Okay. Now okay. It, there are quite a few realtors who work with programs. You just kinda have to, you know, search them out. And a lot of the um the program directors and the caseworkers have their information. You just have to have that conversation with your caseworker. Like, you know, I'm looking for a realtor with a person um, from a person who has 
experience working with Section 8 tenants. You know the problem and with that? Find- a lot of caseworkers don't, I don't think just, they don't want to give to certain people, but a lot of times when you go to shelters, they tell you that they don't help you find apartments. That's, that's what they, that's like one of their main thing. They help you apply for vouchers, um, NYCHA, all that stuff, but they will say, I'm not going to help you find housing. You have to do that yourself. So that's what I think a lot of problem with a lot of people in shelters, but they're single yes. or family. That's what caseworkers are telling them in general. Wow. Wow. So I'm going to give you Curtis Chance Realty is where I um, want to, is where a couple of my uh, um, realtors are. They're, they're located at 1324 Flatbush Avenue in Brooklyn, okay. New York. Now, what the thing is, that's a big, there's a big, there's not a lot of websites that landlords promote their apartments specifically for people with programs. They have a few. They have a few websites out there that are specifically for um, program, people who have vouchers or programs to be able to find them. I'm going to pull up one that I have now that I could be able to um now, what you would have to do, I would think, would be more would be more sensible to go into your local realtor, into the local realtors in your area, and see if they assist with finding programs for apart for people with vouchers or programs, or see if they know any other realtors who are willing to assist with finding programs for apartments. Now there's something on D on NYCHDC.com. Um, I guess it's through like Housing Connect. Yes. And you kind of there's like it could allow you to apply for the vouchers, but yeah, looking and that's crazy. There's not a lot of um information on how to actually get the apartment right so that's a catch-22 people are getting these vouchers not necessarily able to now when they go and present themselves to these private landlords if you don't have any kind of if you're not if you're not privy to how to articulate yourself the things to say the things to present you're shooting yourself in the foot before you even get a chance because you're just going there you're just like saying whatever and then you might be you know taking away your your chance to be able to get an apartment so I think that definitely there should definitely be a, li- a liaison to assist with individuals finding the apartments because what happens is it ends up like when I have, if I have an issue with my tenant, I, I have to, me and them speak directly. And when there was something going on, I had to actually refer back to the realtor. No, the realtor is going to do nothing but just reach out to the tenant and indirectly, you know, try to, find out what their problem is and then they're going to just come back but realtors should not be acting as liaisons because the the caseworkers also are not even available like for city fabs once you get the program you don't have a specific caseworker you don't so i have to do no i have to do the same thing that my tenant has to do when i need to get information i have to call wait on the for an hour hour and a half to be able to speak to someone to explain my to then get some type of resolve. So that's a deterrent. That's a big deterrent for other landlords because who wants to have to sit on the phone for two hours to resolve a situation that should be able to be in an email? 
You right. understand? So housing, the vouchers aren't effective if there is no liaison to explain to the tenants what the things they need to work on because you they have tenants who can start working on simple things like maybe start fixing their credit doing little things but they need a person that's there to say listen this is what is going to be expected of you this is what you need to start working on before you even begin look for apartments while you're in the shelter and have that that you know that little sense of security and you don't have you know you have access to internet or anything like that these are the things you need to do and that's very it's very sad that you know there's no liaison that helps people because it's kind of like what is, how how do they expect them to find these these apartments a lot of times the luck of a draw and a lot of shelter well family shelters now because of covid have internet but a lot mm -hmm. of single shelters don't have internet still. Um, wow. So they're trying to get that. And yeah, you would think that's something. If they could put it on every, almost every celebrity platform, they could put it in the streets and the thing. A lot of shelters It's all about, yeah, it's all about access to um to information. Right. You know? If you don't want people to have access to information, how do you want them to elevate themselves? I don't think they want to sometimes. I feel like they... Oh, trust me, girl. I understand. In them. It, it sounds I definitely so understand. It's a money business. It is. My Unfortunately, room with my people get mm -hmm. was four thousand dollars a month. That's less than the rent. For wow! Mind, this is four years ago, so I could have got probably a luxury apartment for four thousand dollars a month in New York City four years ago. Definitely, definitely. So definitely, it doesn't make my sense. mortgage is now more than four thousand dollars. That's crazy. So that's often. Oh, okay. I used to go to realtors, right? But my mother, my mother dealt with Catholic charities and she also dealt with uh, Section 8. Okay. Now, when she dealt with Catholic charities, Catholic charities are a bit different. They have workers who bring the clients to you and you can kind of interview them. And then um, after you do the interview with them, but I also know Catholic charities just help city fabs and things. I had a Catholic charities um, lady, a lady who worked with Catholic charities who helped my tenant in Queens help navigate um her her lease renewal. Yes. So I was a bit I was a bit perplexed and I said, okay, so I guess they're also doing like third party interactions for they other do. programs. Yeah, they yeah. do. So Catholic Charities is a is a really good resource that I don't know how well they're being advertised to prospective tenants and you know individuals in the shelters and in need of the programs of vouchers. But Catholic Charities in addition to home base, right? You guys right. work with home base as well, right? The, the coalition yes. of the homeless. Because I know Nyrick used to work with the coalition of the homeless directly. So these two, um, and then also downtown Brooklyn, they have uh, Restoration Plaza. Restoration Plaza has a lot of resources as well that you could, you know, say, hey, I have a program and I'm looking for uh, housing. Do you, are there any landlords listed in your database? And they have a database as well on Restoration Plaza. I think a lot of people just, is, I feel like it's, it's a disconnect because um, I feel like there's places to get the information from. The problem mm -hmm. is getting it to the people who actually need the help. And a lot of times the workers who are in the middle who are supposed to be helping the people get to housing are misinformed, mm -hmm. overworked, underpaid. So they're not even mm -hmm. doing half their job. And I think that's what it is. 
Um, and a lot of people just mm-hmm. like in the in my when I was in the shelter, a lot of people were in and out. Mm-hmm. Like, it was working one week, and next week they found something better, so they left. And it's like they put so much training and stuff into that one person. It's like yeah, yeah. There's no there's no phone. stability. Right. So yeah, there's no stability in the program. That's sad. So who suffers the most is the families, the children, the single people who are, mm-hmm. the young people who are in the shelter because they're trying to get out, but they can't get the help and proper resources that they actually need to come out of the shelter and be successful. And that's the sad thing about it. Like you're mm-hmm. saying, there's a database, but who knows that? Nobody really knows about wow. it unless they are digging into it or Googling everything. To be honest, do you want to Google your friend when you're in the shelter? Because half the time the workers don't know anything. And it's wow. kind of sad to say that. Um, Really so when you like, say so they don't they don't they don't even mention things like Catholic charities or things like that or they just give you a paper and say hey look at this thing we don't know if it's updated we don't know if these resources are still available but just check those out kind of situation most times they don't give you like papers they mostly do is fill out your city faps if you are qualified um fill out NYCHA and NYCHA is a waiting list as you know it's like hard to get into NYCHA. oh yes yes and Years. Tell you, some some of them will tell you to do housing connect, and okay. that's basically it. And they'll tell you to come every week, two weeks, to make sure like where you are in the housing. What are you are you going to work? And they'll ask you things like those main things. How's the kids? If they feel like they actually about the kids, and that's it. So wow. it's not really the mind you. I've been to four different shelters, and they all function a little bit differently, but mm-hmm. they all generally are that. They, they don't give me resources to find out anything out. Like, they're kind of, is 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 very weird. On how so, so exactly how you said, if you're, if, if a shelter is able to receive $4,000 a month for boarding you and your daughter in a room, right? That's one room. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, they are inclined to keep you there. Right. Right. So now it's up to individual. Right. So some of my some of my opinions amongst um, some of my friends are popular. Some things as as simple as affirmative action. Now, I feel if if we as black people were more inclined to have to create our own and did not seek validation by getting a simple part in one of these many fortune 500 companies we would have more of our own fortune 500 companies right because right. it's that seeking that validation in w- within another person's you know success that now leaves you to not even care about the other individuals who look like you who are also trying to do the same thing but might not have the same resources so yeah. with with it with people in the shelter what what we have to realize is that it's not in their interest for you to get out the shelter. It's, it's not in their interest. It's in their interest for you to remain there, for you to remain there as long as possible. And then instead of them giving you the assistance, for them to throw you to one of their friend shelters, right? Oh, well, you've, you've reached your maximum. Because I, I had a friend who went through so many different shelters and she would get kicked out for the littlest thing. If you spent the night out, if you did anything, if you, you know, you didn't sign your, um, you didn't sign in properly or anything like that. And it was like, but when they got kicked out, they would get sent to path 
and get and put right back into the system, right? right? So it's like it's like a bouncy ball. You're just being taught back and forth. And what people have to do is take control of their own fate, right. and they have to inform themselves. And if you could go, if you could get up and you could leave from the shelter to go to shop to go to anything else, go to the library and look up information. There's databases out there and there's things out there, but we we have to understand that we're not part of a system that wants us to succeed. not allow that to be the main reason why we say, oh, we can't succeed because look, no, 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 no. You can the age of information. Right. Means that it's there for you to take. What the internet has provided is a kind of even playing ground, right? But you have to go out and inform yourself. That's it. We have to do that. And if we could just take the responsibility, like, okay, we've had, we got the voucher. We, we have this now in order for me to get out of here and to be in something that's worth it. I have to be willing to take a little bit of control over my faith. You know, so we can't look to others, right? You can't go to the caseworker and expect them to give you, because as you said, they're under work. That's like the people in prisons who are waiting for their defendant, for their public defendants to get them out versus the guys who are in the law libraries who are, who know everything about their case, who know every update about their case, probably right. inform the judge better than the public defendant. They have right. taken their fate into their own hands, even behind bars. They can't, they can't feel despair and they can't give up hope. They have to still try to make themselves knowledgeable. And a lot of these men may or may not read before they got into the situation. Probably didn't have nothing to worry about law or any kind of things, but they, in this situation, they had to depend on themselves because they realized they're part of a system who wants to keep them in prison. So if they want to be free, they need to find all the information they can, whatever loophole they can find, whatever addendum in a law, anything, any kind of issue in their case. Now they turn into lawyers basically on for the on their own behalves because they're not gonna leave their fate up to a public defender who was overworked and underpaid. And that's what the individuals and the and you know shelter people who are coming out the shelters and young ladies and young men and family members just have to try to, you know try to encourage each other to get that information on our own and just because I heard it so many times like my caseworker is this and this shelter is that and I'm, I'm like yeah I understand but the information is there you just gotta you just gotta find it you gotta look, gotta be willing to put that same time in socialization and hanging out into furthering yourself you know it's definitely true yeah oh since you're talking about the information that's there and you have the information that I need, like yes. when um people are, people might not know this um mm -hmm. when they have to pay for rent is first set like explain how that goes and explain if they have to pay the realtor. Some people it might be a young person listening to this podcast they don't understand when how it goes they don't know about it because any age can listen to this podcast. I want them to know what to prepare for and what they should be looking out for. And if a landlord, as you know, not everybody's honest. Bad people exactly. in different categories. Um, mm -hmm. what do they need to bring in? What how should they give in their things? How should they even pay their rent? Yes. Kind of okay. Thing. Okay. So now when typically it now it also depends on the program, right? Right. Some programs 
paid the real via voucher. Some realtors don't realize that all money is good money. And right. you don't need to have cash in your hand. If the city is giving you a voucher for a check for two hours, you're going to be able to get your $2,000 back. Or you're going to be able to get your $2,000. You might just have to go. Shouldn't be a right? right? And that's where some realtors might be a little mm -hmm. apprehensive to deal with certain programs. Because they're like, oh, I got to get this voucher. Then other programs actually um, handle the disbursements with, with actual checks, right? So on the program however typically not typically all the time if you're if you are going through a realtor who is aware you have a program depending again on your program you can either get a voucher or a check or if you have been trying and you don't you haven't you like you haven't gotten uh, a landlord that you find through these realtors who are connected to housing that you haven't found anything that's within your wheelhouse that you that you appreciate you can also go and pay a, a, a realtor outside of that now a realtor's fee can be anywhere from one month of rent up until 15 percent of the annual rent for that prospective apartment oh man that's that yeah yeah so it depends on the realtor now right it's up to them if they would they still charge one month or if they choose to charge 50 percent. so if you are not finding any kind of help with a person who you think is going to get the voucher and do things through housing then you might have to save up a couple of your coins to get an individual because money is motivation Right. So if you have cash in hand to be able to at least pay just the realtor's fee and you can say, listen, I can't if they if they're charging 50 percent, it's a negotiation. Things are always a negotiation. People have to stop thinking in stone. If someone gives you, hey, this is what we're charging. Hey, listen, this is what I can offer. I'm in this situation. And can you work with me? It's never it to ask those type of questions. Right. Right. So after you ask that and you find out whether the whether they're willing to work with you, you go ahead, you proceed. Now, what you want to do is take a look at your credit. It's so easy. You don't want to wait till you run. They run the credit check and y'all both sitting there um, tapping your fingers, waiting to see what happens. <laughs> <to them. laughs> you know, you want to make sure that you're informed in that situation about your own finances. So you want to go on credit karma, go on credit sesame, any one of those things, and just check your credit out. So you yourself, what collections you have, if there are any collections, what is your utilization? Try to also get a debit card or a credit card and 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 handle your spending that. A lot of people look for look at credit cards as ways to buy things when they don't have the money for them. I look at my credit at my credit cards as expense. It shows me what I'm spending, how often I'm spending it, you know, what I'm spending money on more this month than last. I want to try to, if you can take the money, the cash that they give you in cash assistance and now transfer that to a debit or credit card, you're now able to build credit for yourself. Right? right. So if you can, before you even, because you get PA, once you're in the shelter, you're going to get PA. So if you're getting PA, 
because you can also work in the shelter as well, right? Right. So if you're right. working, you still get a even you will get something, and if you can take whatever you get and either supplement it or put something with it and try to put it on a credit card and just use that to make your purchases. Don't use the food stamp card to make your purchases, right? Because that credit or that debit card is going to build your credit in the meantime until you're able, you know, until whether when it comes time for you to get the credit credit check ran. And the thing, what it looks for is uh the amount of time that you, if we would um definitely credit is key because credit it will tell you the difference between a person who kinds of is kind of just living versus a person who wants to establish a specific name and you know a, a specific level of success for themselves and their family so definitely taking the the money if you can off the food stamp card putting it onto a secured capital one gives secured cards Chase uh, a little funny, but they, you know, they'll work with you. Bank of America does secure cards. A lot of these rush card does secure cards, even cash app sometimes. But you want to kind of have some kind of credit built in. It's very important. That's what I, I, it's very important that you start working on your credit when you're going through these realtors or if you have private landlords, sometimes we'll still just run a credit check, you know, um, so you want to make sure you're aware of the state that your credit is in and you know the things to do to repair it. Then you want to kind of establish some kind of previous history. So if you lived with a, 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 a relative and they can say, hey, so-and-so paid me a couple dollars but they were a decent tenant. They stayed with me for a certain amount of time. We didn't have any issues. Kind of turn it from I slept on my aunt's couch to I rented a room from one of my family members and they can be a reference as a landlord. Or you don't even need to explain this. If I rented a room and I can give you the, the landlord's information. References. Character references as well. If you have any individuals in your family who either are business owners or you have any interactions with churches or your job can give you a letter of recommendation. All of these things build character and shows that the person that the um the individual who is coming for your apartment is not just expecting that you're gonna take this money and not look at them. Because that's what you have. You are you're you're an individual with your family in addition to this voucher. So you want to make sure that you look just as good as that voucher. You know what I'm saying? So financially, making sure you're in a good position credit-wise, trying to save a little something to the side if you need to get your own realtor out of pocket, getting those references and those letters from family members just to be able to put into your portfolio. Like when you do... When you do, when you go to apply for an apartment, you get an application. So when when my realtor hands me something, I don't see the people. And the reason why I did that because my mother, again, I told you she was an emotional um, landlord where she would, you know, come and see the people and listen to the stories and go, oh, okay, I'm gonna help you. And then later on, you find out that they were just saying whatever they needed to say to get up in your house, <laughs> right? But a realtor is gonna prevent is gonna be that liaison that kinds of make sure that they're getting. They're, they're crossing their T's and dotting their I's and making sure that they're getting an individual who is in line 
somewhat with what the landlord kind of wants. So you want to make sure that you look as appeasing as possible, even though you have that voucher. Right. So those those letters of recommendation, reference letters from previous family members or previous landlords are always great to have. And just basically, I don't if you want to just kind of either have like a letter of character, a character letter, kind of explain it to the landlord. Hey, I know you don't because you're not again, when you hand when they hand you a, a application, you have the credit, the references, this, that, and other. And for a landlord to not see like a a character letter based on, you know, or introduction letter. Hey, my name is so-and-so. I have my young children. My plan is to do this, that, now that I would, I would take good care of your place. I have been this. I just maybe fell on hard times. I'm working, you know, however you need to word your situation to explain to this person that you don't need to be worried to allow me into your home. I'm not going to destroy it because that's the main thing. Landlords are thinking Section 8 tenants, oh, they don't yeah. care about the house. They're going to just destroy the house. They're going to, no, no. First of all, as a landlord, you should do your due diligence and go and do your monthly check-ins. You can't have a slumlord who rents an apartment out, don't go check on it for years and years and years, and then be mad when the person moves out and they didn't take care of them because you as a landlord supposed to do your due diligence and go and check monthly, quarterly, however you feel like checking. But at that time, when you do that check, you can be able to nip things in the bud immediately. Hold on, you have a dog. We have a, we have a policy with that was going on. That dog has to go. Or, hey, you're not taking this stuff for you or we need to clean up certain. Just, you can have a conversation, but a lot of times you're dealing with management companies and they're not doing that. They're not coming and checking out. They're doing maintenance. They're collecting money and that's it. They're hearing problems, right. you know? So it's up to the individual to kind of make sure you want to make sure that you keep your house nice, neat. Whenever the landlord comes, they see, okay, this person is taking care of my house. This person is making sure that they stuff it together. I don't have no issues or whatever, like, you know, police and just anything is none of those things are happening. And I might've been wrong for, you know, second guessing them. And now they now convey this information to their other landlord friends. Hey, look, I know you were saying that you don't want to mess with section eight, but I got a few section eight tenants or some city feb tenants or some Catholic charity tenants. And I'm really happy with them. There's a man in the home next to me when the homes were built he moved here. He had Catholic charities. This man has been living in that home since 2006. Oh, wow. You understand? And he's not, he's, he's done what he has to do. He keeps his place up. He's very clean. This, that, and the other. And the, 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 the landlord is very happy, right? Obviously she's renewed his, his lease about 13 times, 14, 15 <laughs> times, right? So, when your landlord, landlords are just people. I mean, management companies are a little different, certain things like that. But when you get a private landlord, they're individuals who typically don't mind assisting people who look like they want to assist themselves. Right. Yeah. So definitely those couple things, if if when you're going to present yourself to the landlord, you, you're aware of your financial situation, you're working on it, um, you have those letters and you have those references those are things that are really pivotal that can help and change your situation from just a person with a voucher to a family who actually I might be willing to take a chance on because I see that they that they care. So um 
people might want to know, there's lights and water and all these things. What is covered under your like your lease, or is so now also different landlords do different things depending on what yes, they yes, that's that's a perfect example. So now, for example, in my home where I live, I have one boiler, so I pay the heating and um I pay for heating and that's it. I just pay for heating and hot water, hot water, right? Right. I also pay the water bill for both properties. Water is typically something in New York that landlord cover. That's that's period. A tenant is not going to pay a water bill in New York City. More you know, more than likely unless they have it set up where they each have their own water thing and that it typically costs more money and there's no individual water bill that you can give. Water bills are per property, not per right. unit. Right? So it's the person who owns the properties responsible responsibility to take care of that water bill. So what is, I want to say 90% of the time, you're not going to encounter a water bill. However, as I said, in, Far in, in Brooklyn, I have one boiler. In, Far in um, Queens, I have two boilers and there's two apartments. So each apartment has their own boiler. So each apartment pays their own heating. I pay water, but they pay for their heating. So typically, like how you would pay for just your cooking gas, right? depending on the boiler setup or the heating setup in that home, you would either have to pay for cooking gas in addition to your regular gas or just cooking gas. But in Farrakh, in, um, in Queens, they pay for they, their own heating and cooking gas. Now, HEAP is what assists them with that. HEAP right. helps pay that. So even though it is not covered by their voucher, it's in the lease, but you still get assistance with things like heating and electrical through heat. Well, not electrical, but heating through heat. Right. So depending on the setup of the heating system in the house will determine whether or not a tenant has to pay their own gas or whether they, you know, or whether that's included. So it is depending on the setup. Um, but lights are typically not included in the voucher or the lease because that is a personal usage, right? If you decide you want to run your AC all month, I well, I got to pay $300. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? So the when you move in, you activate these accounts, National Grid or PSN, PSENG, depending on where you're at. Or so when you're opening this account, you open it up in your name. So it's your responsibility. So light, lights, electric, gas, heating are typically handled by the tenants. The, the cooking gas is always handled by the tenants. It depends, again, on the setup of the, heatings, of the heating um, system in the home, whether or not the tenant pays for their own heating, though. Got it. That's good information to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it kind of, and it does affect on how you're going to market your place, right? Because if a person has to pay for heating and you're charging them 2500 or 2300 then that's going to be a twenty-eight dollars or $2,900 apartment. But again, heating kind of goes depending on when it's cold. So when it's cold, you pay heating. But when it's nice, you don't have to pay heating. So it won't, it's a, it's a seasonal cost, right? That you right. can kind of offset 
and National Grid, certain, certain one of these um, agencies that have things called balance billing. Balance billing is when you get is when you pay a portion to your to your seasonal bill monthly, so that way that way it doesn't increase, right? So yeah. let's say for 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 the four months of the winter, the most the, the coldest months, January, February, December, November. Even in March, still it's like chilly, but let's let's use those four. If you're paying like three hundred dollars or so per month for that, that could end up being twelve hundred dollars, right? But if you pay a hundred and twenty dollars over the twelve months, it might offset the you know the the financial burden to the individual. That makes sense. Yeah, so there's different ways that you can go about paying, you know things that are outside of your lease, like if you have to pay for your own heating and stuff like that. Things I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you got me looking like, I need to get a, I need to get a podcast because it's all the people. <laughs> and let me tell you, when I met the young lady and she spoke to me, she said to me, well, why are you working at Amazon and you're a landlord? I said, this is gas money. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? <laughs> you multiple streams of income. Just because you're in the shelter and you're getting a voucher, if you're charismatic and you're and you're and you're like you know, we 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 know how to look good no matter what, honey. Okay, right. you just put a nice little lace front and some lip gloss, and we but listen, we'll turn your man head. Right. So if you have the ability to convey some information in a way that people want to see, you better get you a YouTube channel, right? And get that coin other ways. We have to stop this rhetoric that you, the program wants you to go to a job. Right. You need to do, you just need to maintain an income. If you see that as a job, then that's how you're seeing it. But you just need to maintain an income. 1099s can also be filed and used as incomes. Influencers receive incomes. It's you know? very hard with influencer money. Saying mm -hmm. that because mm -hmm. I get it. Let's let's be ready. You get because YouTube don't pay you that much. The mm -hmm. um they pay you depending how big you are if you like make a good amount of like views, views right yeah you have you get paid mostly from the, the things you're advertising on youtube mm. and same with instagram same with tiktok youtube is the highest paid platform mm -hmm. um so yeah so it all depends on that and 1099 is if you get a regular if you're like i have multiple jobs with 1099s which is a mm -hmm. consistent pay is different, but YouTube is not consistently that they, they'll pay you, but it'll be different amounts every month. Yes, yes, yes. With Nitra and with Section Eight and stuff they like that, they want stability. It's hard stability. They want consistency because even yeah. with HRA to get it in, they want consistency with their stuff. So that's another problem with those mm -hmm. kind of jobs. But if you make a certain amount, you don't have to even you don't even need a voucher anymore. To be honest, if you keep on the grind and really put your hard work into it and become a bigger influencer, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you can even pay from podcasts. You know. Yeah. First, this podcast is not making any money. We just give out free information that's mm -hmm. to do for the community. But um, mm -hmm. other people are doing podcasts out there. They're making a good amount of money on it. Exactly. But again, multiple streams, right? If that's one of your facets, but you still have, oh, please, please, can we look into tech jobs? Tech jobs. I'm going to say the tech jobs. Google has so many um programs that they have to like start you off on just the beginning like like the the introductory into tech jobs they have 
work from home opportunities. They have a lot of opportunities in tech that we don't need to be intimidated by because you're qualified. If you know how to talk, you know how to ask questions, you're qualified. Um, a lot of the times with a lot of these tech jobs, they, they provide a massive initial salary. We're talking 80 and up. So when we're looking into more what's in our area, we, we definitely should look at these type of jobs. A lot of these entry-level tech jobs are not hard to get the certifications that is necessary for them. And a lot of information is on YouTube. They have a, a couple platforms. What's the... um? Pull up my computer. They have a couple <laughs> platforms. Is it Alice? I think it's Alice. This... Uh, let me put it in. Certificate. Yeah, certification. So they have this thing called Alice Training Solutions. Okay. They um, it's a po it's one of the programs that you could go on to look up things like uh, e certifications, learning courses, different things to give you the ability to have those introductory courses to do like uh, introduction level sales, tech sales. Mm -hmm. Tech sales are the same thing like when you get telemarketer calls, right? But instead of calling individuals, you call other businesses who need that, that um, either they need that marketing, they need that, that push for their, to set up their websites, whatever it is that they specifically need from a business. This is what tech, sales provides and there are a lot of a lot of jobs out there and a lot of them are work from home positions that you can be there for your child you don't have to go and you know go looking and then have to rush home to pick them up and then do you can be there and be present and be in the moment and work on yourself in addition to making a decent amount of money and it's a way for us to get off the system right definitely so, so yeah, go ahead. I have a question for you since you're, you know, she's a landlord. Yes. And how do you do 1099s? How do you do jobs like say YouTube or influencer? Because like example, 1099 can be very consistent, but if mm -hmm. you're like a 1099 worker, 1099 worker who is like a YouTuber or influence like Instagrammer, mm -hmm. it's harder because it's not consistent paycheck. How do you look at people's paychecks? So now. So now what I would look for now is your savings, right? Because if you know that the job is inconsistent, you need to put aside because again, when you're doing 1099s, you're the one responsible for paying your taxes, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to put aside money to pay your taxes and you have to put aside your money to be able to feed yourself. Now, if you're, if you're solely surviving on influencer money, I do need to make that uh, 30, 40, 50 times the rent. A lot of times that's what they want you to make. So if you're making that, okay, we're great. If this is inconsistent, this needs to be one of your many things. You can come to me saying, listen, I do YouTube. I'm an esthetician. I, the people who live in my home, my cash paying tenants, the guy's a rapper. His wife is an esthetician. They yeah. both get 1099s, but they are my most punctual tenants. Most punctual. 12.59 on the 31st or 8 o'clock early in the morning on the 1st. Money is there. 
because they work hard. When I'm up with my kids, I hear them up in the morning and I'm like, wow, you guys, they, they have no kids. But the need to keep whatever level that they have has is getting them up eight o'clock in the morning, eight thirty in the morning. He's going, he's doing shows. He's I see the people coming, they do their their shoots, they do that. And I'm not going if I wouldn't have given him a chance as a young black man, who would have? They would have looked at him, looked at his girlfriend, probably assumed like nah, but he's been here almost four years. And oh, I've even watched I've watched his success even as a rapper to the point where now he's signed with a label and I'm just I'm just in awe of his determination because he came here at a certain status and it's just it's infectious to see a person go after their dream you understand and not necessarily have to adhere to a nine-to-five situation in order to do that so if I'm looking at a person who's an influencer you're going if your influencer money does not add up to everything i'm going to look for other means of income you should have other means of income whether they be part-time full-time or or how whatever how um what have you you should be able to come up with that kind of you know situation now if you're a section eight or a program voucher again that more attests to your character Right. Because if you're if you're an influencer, you need your space to be clean. You're going to be filming or you're going to be doing things. So more than likely, you're going to keep up your, your apartment because at any point in time, you need to have, you know, your audience has to see your background, stuff like that. Right. So, uh, you know, it kind of depends on the situation of the individual, if they're a cash paying tenant or a voucher paying tenant, whether it attests to character and how you kind of save or whether it attests to kind of how you handle your money and what you do with it. So if I have to do a 1099 or I'm doing it again, I'm not, I'm not against um, allowing a person who does not have a traditional nine to five to live in my home and to rent from me. I just need to know that you're willing to do the grind, you know, that's it. Um, so you feel out, I would assume like, when they send you like a packet for Section Eight and City Fabs, what do you think should be like? I I personally have never filled out a City Fabs <laughs> paperwork, but mm-hmm. on our landlords end, what do you think they could probably take out or add in or make easier for landlords to fill out paperwork? Because I heard it's a hefty amount of paperwork. Yeah, yeah. Like when when it's time for us to do our lease renewals, oh my god, that's the worst. So. Now, when you initially get the paperwork, it's just a lot of like signing, reading, reading, signing, signing, reading. So if the jargon, if they could kind of consolidate some of that stuff, that way we're not, so the packet girl be hefty. <laughs> the packet is like 30 pages thick, thick, right? So you get it and you're like, oh my God, like you're like on page 15 of writing your thing and now you're not even reading anymore. Now you're not even paying attention and you're just like signing, you're just signing things. So if it can be something that can be more consolidated as far as the information, so that way when the landlord is sitting there, they don't have to sit there for 10, 15 minutes just signing a bunch of papers. If they can be a paper that says, okay, these are the bullet points or this one signature handles 
these, you know, these three different things and make it to where the information is, is able, because when you see real estate jargon, you're like, what is this? Like, even as a landlord, you're not a program director. You're not a caseworker. So you might be familiar with some of the language and lingo, but a lot of things would be like, what is this? And then you got to stop and the realtor got to explain it to you. So make sure that the language is basically self-explanatory for the landlord and just kind of consolidate the information so that we're not sitting there for 15 minutes writing our name 28 times. <laughs> if they had like, to me, I feel like if you're a person who's already been in the program, I mm-hmm. think it would just be easier for just like a renewal was not that long because you've been doing it consistently. Mm-hmm. If you have more than one tenant, I feel like if it's the first time, maybe you have to go through that whole step. Mm-hmm. But if you're a person who's already doing um these vouchers for a couple of years, I feel like you need to like upgrade it and put like this one signature for everything. Probably maybe you want one or two, you know. No. Yeah, like why am I sitting here going through this 30, 40 page thing three, four times? Now, when you submit lease renewals, I have to submit a copy of the new lease with, you know, just the signatures of all the parties. And that's about it. But depending, it depends on like, so when the lease, when it's time for the lease renewal to come up, it's up to the tenant to reach out and let them know, listen, I have a new lease for my landlord and it needs to be addressed. That's how I ended up in contact with the lady from Catholic Charities because me and my tenant were having issues, especially during COVID. Oh my goodness. It was the worst trying to get any information during COVID. They had to they the when they actually did do the lease renewal it was almost like six months seven months past the time for the lease to be renewed now because I understand you got a lot of red tape it was a lot of people utilizing COVID hey oh I got COVID I can't come into the office oh I got COVID let's shut down the whole everything I understood that so I gave her that you know that leg to stand on where I know you're trying she will call me and say hey girl I'm trying I'm calling them I went on the line they stood me had and I say listen it's all right let me see what I could do on my end and a lot of times we have to humble ourselves even though we are a landlord and we're doing you know you've acquired your property and you feel you shouldn't have to do the legwork does not finish you know if you can just make a quick phone call and assist your tenant why would you not do that you know Exactly. I feel that a lot of landlords kind of they want to look down on people, and it's like you you got this messed up. Because at the end, of, if you we all go on a on a trip, we're on a cruise or anything like that, something happens, we all get cut, we all bleeding, we get we sink, we all dying. We it doesn't matter your financial status. Or this something happens, Mother Nature decides that she's gonna show you and humble you. You're gonna get humbled. Right. So I just wish that we would try to be willing to put that little effort into you know assisting people but you got you just have a lot of people who've been slighted I have a tenant that I've been getting rid of from 2019 oh wow that's when that's the initial court date they started this maybe about a couple months before COVID and COVID allowed them to live in my apartment for free for two years that's crazy now now where now it took and then now when the course when the case got back on the calendar it took about six months just to get 
a court date. So I'm over maybe like a hundred and thirty thousand. A hundred and thirty thousand dollars he owes me. Right? Now he's a cash tenant, right? He's not thing, but he was trying to get a program and I, I'm doing a holdover. I don't want I don't want anything from you. I just want you to go. I don't want anything. Just just go. That's what a holdover is. There's a difference. You there's two types of evictions. If your landlord serves you with a non-payment, that's you having the ability to come up with the money and stop that eviction. Right. If your landlord serves you with a holdover, they saying you could keep the money, you could keep whatever. I need you to go. I don't want you as a tenant. I need I need possession of my place. I need whatever it is. You can later as a landlord file, you know, a civil suit or whatever if you want to, you know, get your money back. But those are the two type of evictions that, you know, people are facing with right now. And COVID has really, has really soured a lot of landlords um, against program because, because again, if you're not working diligently to make sure that you try to keep up with your lease renewal, make sure that, you know, your stuff is getting sent to your landlord and the landlord reaches out to you and you're just using the excuse that you can't really do anything because of COVID then it's like you're both kind of sitting there. The landlord's going to grow resentment, right? And they're going to eventually right. try to evict you. And then you're going to sit there like, oh my God, they don't even, you don't care that it's not, but it's like, don't you don't use a crutch. You don't, you don't need a crutch. You know what's going on now. Try to see what you could do outside of that to assist yourself. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This makes sense. Makes sense. So if you had to tell any landlords out there listening right now, um, what to kind of do in, this situ- in their situation, if you take vouchers or not, what would you tell them? I would say don't limit yourselves. And don't limit yourselves. Do the due diligence to make sure you are matching yourself with a person who meets you know whatever requirements that you have and also remember we're all human and we all need a little push sometimes and you given a young woman who you might see her as a young 23 year old woman with two or three children and you're like oh my god what's gonna you know what's gonna am I, are my walls gonna get crayon on it or this that, and the other you give her a couple years and she could end up being you know on Wall Street, she could end up being a major influencer. She could end up being, uh, you know, a housing specialist herself, right. a supervisor. If we could understand that housing shouldn't be something that you feel insecure about, however, it happens. We all we have food instability, we have housing instability, insecurity, and stuff like that. These are things that is just a reality, but. As a landlord, you have the ability to provide somebody with something that's called a home. So you have to understand that that responsibility means you, yes, you want to look at it from a financial perspective and what is the best for you and your family, but also realize you have you have to do your due diligence to make sure that you have someone who's willing, who you're willing to work with, Right. I don't mind having a person who's who's not always, you don't have to be just like the quietest person. You know, I have young kids, we all, it's okay. Some landlords are more, they want a person who doesn't really go out too much and doesn't make a lot of noise. They're 
people in the shelters who are like that. Right. Right. Have people in the shelters who are just quiet. They come, they go to come home, they do this stuff and then they leave. You have people in the shelters who stay to themselves and don't, you know what I'm saying? You have people in the shelters who are wild and crazy and have fun. Right. But you can't, they're all individual different people who just fell on bad times. And their situation led them there and led them to you. And it's up to you really to, to understand that you're no different from them. And you should look at the things that I mentioned, um, such as credit references and different things like that, and give them a fighting chance. Just give them a chance. I'm not saying every Section 8 person that you come across, you give them an apartment. However, do not classify each individual based on others' experiences or other problems that you have. Do your due diligence. Get you a real estate agent who is willing to be your liaison. Interview all the different people. Give them your criterias. Be, and, and, and be realistic with the criterias, right? Right. You like sometimes I've heard so because I have it's so funny some of my other landlords that are next to me they're older, um, so we have completely different views. So I have this one guy who came and he's like, listen, and this is illegal. This is illegal, and he said to the real estate agent, "I want a white couple." Oh wow! That's it. I want a white couple, and you know he's not. You know, everybody who I live next to look just like me. Right. So I'm like, wow. Don't get me wrong. I've had Chinese, I've had white, I've had black, I've had Asian, I've had a lot of a of different, you know, mirage different races and cultures. And certain things, I mean, things things are different with each one. I remember one of my Caucasian tenants is like, hey, can you come screw this light bulb in from um no, I don't do we don't do that. <laughs> you need to change your light bulb yourself. Right. And I also had um, you know, I so, so it's like not necessarily because you have a, a white standing or like race synonymous with situation, right? So you have to be situational as a landlord and everybody's everybody's is different. So um, try to make your requirements realistic, right? So that way people could actually met, um, have those requirements and then now you could judge based on either character or, you know, what you see, different things that, you know, references, credit, things like that. But don't make your requirements so out of this world that you're not even allowing people to have that opportunity, you know? So you definitely want to do your due diligence with, uh, with a realtor, making sure they know your requirements and they go out there and you ask, you know, bring me your top three or whatever the case is. And you don't want to limit yourself and you want to inform yourself as a landlord about these programs. All the information is on this internet. You Google right. Catholic Charities, you Google Housing Connect, Google City Fabs, Fabs, Section 8. You can find that information. And then, like, there's forums like Reddit. Reddit is a forum where people go on and they say, like, they'll have Section 8. Um, like, a, like, the topic will be Section 8, the thread, and it'll be a whole bunch of different information on Section 8. Updated information from people who actually have the program that you could read and see and inform yourself, like, oh, wow, these are the things that's happening now, right? Because not all the information is going to be 
you know, not the hiccups and the problems and the things that people encounter. They're not going to put that on a pretty website where they're telling you that we're helping everybody in the world, right? Right. So you want to try to inform yourself. Facebook groups. Facebook yes. groups is a lot. I found a, uh, I also am a breeder. So um, some of my puppies, whenever I have puppies available, I go to my Facebook groups and they're so diligent, like, you know, at finding, you know, people or it's just like, it's a group of like-minded people already. Right. So you're in a, you're in a, a kind of community of other people who either have the same issue. So you can either join a community of landlords who accept vouchers on Facebook. They have, they have groups like that. So you can read other landlords, turmoils and other landlord successes. So you could kind of gauge whether that's something that you're prepared to put yourself into, right? right. So besides just involving, um, you know, just making the realtor do all the work, you as the landlord also can do things like informing yourself of the programs, informing yourself of the problems with the programs and the things that might not be the best. And um, you, you want to try to get a person that you don't think you're going to have to evict. We don't know what's going to happen, right? But eviction is one of the most longest and drawn out processes that that really make people want to not even have another piece of property in New York. They are, they are few and far in be- between when you're not dealing with a certain caliber of people. When you, when you have your requirements at that level and you're doing the things like I told you my neighbor did, putting specific requirements to your realtor you're not gonna encounter certain things but when you deal with uh with different types of people you might have to do and might have to go through those things so just kind of prepare yourself for that and uh just look for the individuals who have places that they've been at for a while right so if they were living in a previous place for five years or three years then you know that they have stability so that comes in with the references and all of that stuff where you could be able to kind of look at that individual as a whole rather than just a voucher. Got it. And yeah, that sounds great. I feel like I learned a, a little bit of something here and there. A little <laughs> of things. And um, also beware on these Facebook groups because I've seen in different city feps, um groups that Mm-hmm. Some people are scamming. Like I feel like any oh, yeah. you go, a scammer is trying to get their they money on. So just be diligent on who you're meeting in person, what apartments they're going for. Maybe go with a friend if you're a young lady. You yes. Know, I'm not saying men go by your, not go by yourself, but you just just be diligent in what you're doing. Um and who you're giving your money to. Just don't give it your money off if you haven't seen anything or seen an apartment or something. Yes. Now when you're joining these Facebook groups, it should be more for information because Again, you're going to, even with the breeders, there's so many puppy scammers, so many people who, oh, we have these things available. You just got to send us this amount of money and we'll mail you the puppy. And people who really send the money and waiting on this puppy to come in the mail, like, are you serious? Are you like, come on, we got to use our heads, right? So when you go into these groups, you don't have to pay for applications for certain things, okay? Only when you only time you have to pay for applications when you're going through like a certain type of management company or you're going through a realtor who has like maybe a thirty or forty dollar or something. Now a lot of those things I would rather do in person. Well, I'm going into an office 
right. what you want to get. If you're going in a Facebook group and somebody's trying to say, hey, well, we have an apartment, here's an application. Do you have a physical location that we could meet at that's an office? And you want to Google that office before you go look around the area, see what it is. Right. You know, you have to make sure that you're getting information, but again, you want it to be accurate and you want it to be effective information. So definitely do your homework on the people who are if anybody's reaching out to you or if you didn't even all you did was say hey i'm looking for apartments and you get a bunch of different pms kind of beware like sift through those very carefully because people don't really sit on facebook looking for people who have apartments apartments is something that is going is the commodity right the apartment is the commodity so typically Commodity traders are not out here throwing the commodities at you. You go and you look for the commodities. So right. in in these places, these groups, if it doesn't seem realistic, don't don't go after it, right? But definitely inform yourself, and then you can read other people's posts. Like, hey, um, I was scammed by so and so. Stay away from them. Or they'll say, yeah, I had a worker who did. They'll either give realtor information that they had success with finding an apartment. You can find these type of things, right? That's what you want to look for. Don't try to look for the easy way out with somebody saying, hey, just give me this money for this application and I can get you an apartment guarantee. Why right. can they do that if you wasn't able to do that for yourself for the past how many year or how long you've been in the shelter, right? Right. So definitely don't, if it sounds too good, everything glitters is not gold. Don't jump on that. Do your homework. Make sure that you're informed before you say, I'm going to go out and just, you know, give my money to somebody and let them do the legwork for me. Definitely, definitely. So guys, I hope this stuff was informative to you. I hope it's able to help somebody out there, whether you're in the shelter or not in the shelter. I feel like a lot of this information could be good for either one because you know you can also um, get FEPS. If you're not in the shelter to get city FEPS, you can also get FEPS. They changed a lot of criterias um, for... Um, FAPS and city FAPS recently in the mm -hmm. past and I'm saying in the past year in general a lot mm -hmm. of things have been changed around so you can qualify for them and you don't you'd, you'd be surprised who can qualify for certain things now so just learn about these things I know it might take a long time but you have to be consistent and be on these workers back sometimes to kind of get things rolling in on the ball if you don't understand something do ask questions don't sit there and wonder about it but not ask questions about it so be informed and I hope yeah. this is able to help anybody who is listening. Definitely. And one more thing I just want to say before we go, think outside of the box. If you're working a specific job and you know that you're like hand to mouth, if you could have a conversation like, listen, I need to reduce my hours for maybe a couple, a month or two and submit your paperwork with those reduced hours. So that way you're able to kind of see, you know, get more of a, of a, chance to receive a program because a lot of us are just living hand to mouth and if we could if you could just put yourself in a position to be able to get that assistance while you're making a decent amount of something it can give you the ability to get off that program and to use it as a stepping stone rather than to use it and allow it to cripple us you know right definitely, definitely. i'm very i'm very appreciative of you guys for allowing me to come here and kind of you know, inform you guys and let you guys let me know a lot of information as well. So I appreciate this this forum and this platform that you're giving 
for um tenants and for landlords. Well, I'm, I'm I, am I the first landlord that has been on here, or have you guys spoken to other landlords? You're the first landlord we have on here. Oh, whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> <laughs> yes. that's cool. You know, like so, I I definitely I don't mind if you wanna if this is something that we could probably do like on a monthly basis. Like, hey, I've have updates. I'm gonna be getting a new tenant really soon. Um, so. I don't mind giving updates or different things like that. Like, hey, is new any kind of new resources I come across, real estate agents and stuff like that. I don't mind doing like a check in with you guys whenever because I if information is key. And if we could just be able to help each other out, I'm all for it. Yes, I think that would be a good idea. But guys, we have come to the end of our podcast. If you want to get more information, if you want to talk to um me personally or even some of the people who have come on the podcast personally, if you need information, we can definitely get you connected. Remember the resource packet is down below and thank you for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Bye.